What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. We are here grinding for you all throughout the week. Daily shows, uh, getting all the breaking news on free agency. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. I am joined in a minute, maybe like 10 minutes or so, by Sean Wagner, John Breach, and Ryan Wilson, but right now I'm joined by Sean Wagner and John Breach because we are recording another segment after the Le'Veon Bell news broke at 1 a.m. Um, we will get to the Odell Beckham trade. We have a lot of stuff on that. We have a ton of stuff on D Ford being traded, of course. Why wouldn't that be our top topic? Um, yeah, but look, the ton of free agent signings. This show is probably like an hour and 15 minutes long by the time you download it. I apologize. Sorry, not sorry. You can skip around. I put a bunch of time codes in the description, so check those out if you don't want to listen to the whole thing. Uh, let's get to the Le'Veon Bell stuff, and then we'll throw it back to ourselves when we recorded earlier in, in the evening. Sean, Ryan, Ryan, Sean, Sean and Breach, good to talk to you. Long time no see. Long time no see. Le'Veon Bell. Four-year deal, $52.5 million. He's going to the Jets after sitting out an entire season. Um, what's your initial reaction to this, Sean? Is this a, who, who, is there a winner and a loser here? Cause that's just how we operate in life. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, at first when I saw the contract, which is what, 13 million per year, I thought Le'Veon Bell was the loser because if you looked at the last Steelers offer, um, I believe he would have gotten 20 million last year and then, uh, 45 million over three years. I think that's what Jason Lockenfora had reported. Uh, but Bell is getting $35 million guaranteed, I believe, according to Adam Schefter from the Jets. So that's a nice haul of, in terms of guaranteed money. Um, and so there's an argument to be made that if he had suffered an injury last year, maybe he doesn't get up to 35 million guarantee that he's now getting with the Jets. I don't know. I don't know if I want to get into that because it, you know, I don't think, I don't know how much we actually know about that Steelers offer and how the guarantees were going to work. I think the Jets are a clear winner though because I think they're getting Le'Veon Bell at yes, an expensive price. But if you would have thought before this holdout happened, you know, we were talking about Le'Veon Bell potentially signing for a whole lot more money. And from that sense, Le'Veon Bell loses because he thought he probably thought he was going to get a whole lot more money. Um, he didn't think this was going to be a conversation of did he win or lose money wise. He probably would have thought that he's securing the bag from, from, from the Jets. But I love it from the Jets perspective because yes, they're overpaying a little bit, you know, relative to other running backs, but they're getting a perfect compliment for Sam Darnold, the guy who could, you know, be his safety net coming out of the backfield. He was the most productive running back in the NFL over his first five seasons, average 129 uh, yards from scrimmage per game. No one else average more minimum 50 games according to NFL research. So I think the Jets are getting an incredible player. I think this elevates them to the second best team in the AFC East and potentially positioned to overtake the Patriots if Tom Brady ever does retire. I'm saying when the next wave of teams come, I think they right now are better positioned than the Bills and the Dolphins to be that next team. Well, we, we talked about the Dolphins later. They seem like they could be screwed when it comes to the quarterback position, potentially tanking. Who, who the hell knows? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, like, I get it. Le'Veon Bell said, like, he didn't sign a deal with the Steelers, right? He, he had a franchise tag placed on him and he chose to exercise his rights under the CBA to not play on that one year deal and not risk it. And we never no, like I mean, like I trust Jason's reporting um, 
totally. But uh, we don't know. We never saw, you know, what sort of outs there might be for the Steelers in terms of that contract that they had with Bell. So, Breach, to me, um, I get why he did what he did, but I think it's hard to paint him as a winner here when he gets into a market with just one team. Yeah, no, there is zero percent chance you can label Le'Veon Bell as a winner. To me, the only winner in this situation is the Pittsburgh Steelers because they didn't get hooked into paying Le'Veon Bell $14 million a year for five years over that contract offer was last year. And even if you only looked guaranteed money last year, he would have pulled in whatever, $20 million in 2018. So you know the Steelers wouldn't have cut him after 2018 because they would have been paying him just $20 million for one season. So Le'Veon Bell, a loser. Steelers, a winner. The rap industry, a loser, because we all sat down and listened to his rap album be dropped uh, and, and listened to those lyrics, looking for find out what team he was going to play for, and then having uh, Schefter drop that on us after listening to six songs on his album. So my ears hurt right now. Um, but now, yes. So I do like this as far as the Jets' offense. He, he should make the Jets' offense better, but the thing that scares me about him is he's been out of football for a year Staying in football shape is not easy. Coming back after a year and being effective isn't a guarantee. I think there's some serious risk here. And if I was the Jets, I would be very hesitant to give him $35 million guaranteed because you have no idea how he's going to look when he gets on the field. So Jets, rap industry, Le'Veon Bell losers, Steelers winners. Yeah, I think the Steelers look – I don't know. I don't know if I'd call them winners. Uh, because I think their team would be better with Le'Veon Bell on them right now. But I agree with Breach in the sense that I think they look a lot better because I think there's an argument to be made that they mishandled the Antonio Brown situation and, you know, they've repeatedly backed Ben Roethlisberger being allowed to publicly bash players, which seems kind of bizarre. And I think, you know, their reputation has taken a bit of a hit because of that. And then, But I think when you see Bell turn around and sign this contract, suddenly you look at the Steelers' offers and you're saying – yeah, they were offering him a fair deal and they did not give in to him and, you know, give him a contract he didn't even end up getting when he was allowed to sign with any team in the NFL. So I think the Steelers' reputation looks a bit better. I think they, they handled it, you know, pretty much as well as they could have and they didn't give in, um, and grossly overpay for Le'Veon Bell. If anything, they paid him, um, they probably still offered a little bit more than the Jets offered him. So I, I think the Steelers' reputation, um, is a winner here. Look, the Steelers got two guys that blossomed in their system, blossomed with their the talent around them, blossomed behind a great offensive line with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell on the same field with a Hall of Fame quarterback and Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball to them or handing the ball off. Um, I think that both guys, and I've said this for weeks now, I believe that James Conner will have a better statistical year than Le'Veon Bell, and I believe that uh, Juju Smith-Schuster will have a better statistical year than Antonio Brown because they're in better situations. They're playing with Ben Roethlisberger and a and a Steelers offense that is high octane, and you have the Jets. Look, I, I think Le'Veon Bell is a great fit with Sam Darnold and Adam Gase's offense. Jameson Crowder as well. Those guys run can run short routes, can get the ball in space. Um, you can do smart things with him and Adam Gase knows how to do that so that should be beneficial. Antonio Brown is a perfect fit for De- uh, Derek Carr. You know, he runs these he run him bubble screens, run him slants, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but um you know, the bottom line is that these guys are now leaving for the first time in their careers the protective, smart, 
always successful, almost always successful bubble of that is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they're going out on their own, and they're trying to succeed when there will be many eyes on them, many people scrutinizing them, and I just don't think they're going to have the same amount of success they had in Pittsburgh. I'm not saying they're a byproduct of the system. I just think that you're going to – you're asking Le'Veon Bell to run behind an offensive line that's not as good with a younger quarterback who is not as good, uh, with less weapons to take, to take the pressure away from him. That's much harder to do. And I wouldn't be surprised, even though, as NFL research points out, uh, he is, um, has the highest yards per, yards from scrimmage, uh, average in their first five seasons in NFL history of anyone, 129. I would not be surprised at all if, if he found it a little bit harder in New York. What do you guys think? How, like, how do you measure this as a success for the Jets? Like, what does Bell have to do this year, next year? Um, like, I, I guess is there a number? Is it playoffs or is it numbers? One, uh, I, I would like to see eighteen wins and nine, nine and seven both years, or 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 ten and ten and eight, and or ten and six and eight and eight, um, and thirteen hundred scrimmage yards per year for Bell. That's not reasonable. I. I that's not, it's not crazy. And I do think that they need to have at least one winning season. Look, Gase is going into his first year with the Jets. If they get, have a losing season this year, it's okay. You're installing your offense. You're trying to adjust everybody to what you're doing. But by year two, if they don't fix things, then you have to kind of look at, hey, we, we did some crazy stuff during Gase's first year that didn't work. And now this is blowing up in our face. And the thing is, Look at Le'Veon Bell did in Pittsburgh. He didn't want to sign the franchise tag because he was afraid of being overworked. Like, he did not want to play football. Hey, you're going to give me two cares. You're going to give me the ball too often. So what if the Jets want to do that for less money than he was going to get the Steelers? Because no matter how we look at the Steelers deal, Bell could have signed the franchise tag for $14.5 So he's going to get less money with the Jets, and they might ask him to do more. Is that going to frustrate him? Is he going to get mad? Is he going to be terrible? Is he going to pout? I mean – there's a lot of questions here. So uh, if Bell explodes and complains on the team, you know, once or twice over the next year, then the deal is a, a downer. And if the Jets aren't good within two years, then it's horrible. So uh, this thing can only go from bad to worse. I think wow. um, I think the expectation has to be more than 1,300 yards. I was just going back and trying to look at Adam Gase's offenses and running backs who have played – um, and that pass catching running backs. I think a decent example, and this, this to me would be like a disappointment if this is what Le'Veon Bell, but in 2015, when he was the offense coordinator of the Bears, Adam Gase, he had Matt Forte, and in the 13 game season, Forte had 1300 yards, roughly. Mm. Um, it just, you, you, you go look at, um, Le'Veon Bell's. I mean, Le'Veon Bell's, you know, Le'Veon Bell. Line. He has three... In a 16 game season, he had 2,200 yards, and that's the only time he's played 16 games. Yeah, I, you know season. what? You know, I want to. I want to. Re- let me revamp 1,300. That's too low. Um, I think 1,500. Yeah, that's like bare minimum to yeah, me. And thir- I, I think it's a little. Yeah. It's a little bit unfair to necessarily put wins on him. Um, like, look, if the Jets don't win, it's going to be a bad deal from their perspective. But that doesn't mean it's Le'Veon Bell's fault that they didn't win, because a lot of this is just going to come down to how Sam Darnold develops. I mean. We saw how good Saquon was this past year, and it didn't matter because he was playing with a you know terrible quarterback and a bad defense. So um, I don't think it's his responsibility necessarily to win games because he's a running back. But 
if the Jets don't win games with him there, then it's just a huge waste of money, and that's more of an indictment of them than Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I mean, Bell's second year, he had 22-15 in terms of scrimmage yards, um, 8 1884 in 2016 and nineteen forty six in 2017. So, I mean, if they if they only get 1,300 scrimmage yards out of him, uh, they have done a bad job. He had, he had 1,300 scrimmage yards almost as a rookie in 13 games. In 30, exactly. Yeah, so, no, that's right. Yeah, let, let's revamp that. I think um, – Fifteen fifteen hundred seems fair though. Like I don't think you can expect the same outcome from Bell. My dog is stealing golf balls. <laughs> so this guy's a psychopath. He is. He's evil. Um, oh, we, we didn't mention him. We missed him before the pod. He's evil. Um, I you know, looking at this. Looking at Le'Veon Bell's like uh, stats. It, I mean, I knew this, but it does stand out to me a little bit. Um, he led the league in rush yards or rushing attempts, three hundred twenty-one. And touches 406 in 2017. I really do think that he felt the Steelers were going to run him into the ground last year and destroy his ability to get any money on the open market once he left and, and when he wouldn't sign a contract. And maybe in that sense, like, would you rather have the one year $14 million deal from the Steelers? And then whatever you get after being run into the ground in free agency, or would you rather have what you just got from the Jets after taking a year off and doing absolutely nothing except riding jet skis and working out and and probably having rapping, a, rapping have probably rap, doing bad raps. I mean, probably having a whole lot of fun. I mean, he's rich beyond his wildest dreams now, right? Like he's he doesn't have to worry about money ever again, and he got to take a year off of doing anything. It sounds kind of fun. Yeah, but if you would have taken the if let's just say he takes the franchise tag, gets the fourteen and a half million, and the Steelers aren't gonna tag him again because that would be a third time, then he's back on the free agent market no matter how many times the Steelers gave him the ball in two thousand eighteen, and then he can sign with the deal with the Jets. So he has this thirty five million guarantee from the Jets plus the fourteen and a half million from last year. So this is just a bad business decision, no matter how you spin it. Uh but it, it, the thing is, what's going to keep the Jets from running him into the ground this year and next year and three years? Is, I mean, does he think this is going to be the last contract he signs? Because the way he was treating last year that he didn't want to get beat up, it, it makes it sound like, you know, he's 27. Does he think by the time he's three years up, four years are up, I'm done in the NFL. I'll take my rap money. I'm just going to go retire. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. This is probably his, this is his only bite at the free agent Apple. And I think that's probably contributed to the reason he did hold out because he did know, and he's had injury issues before, right? Um, I'm not imagining and, that. And suspend? No, he tore his ACL. He tore his Suspension ACL. Suspension issues. Tore his ACL in 2015. He was suspended in 2016 for. Remember, it was but, him and him and Legarrette Blunt were riding around Pittsburgh with <laughs> smoking the weed, as the kids say. Do the so, kids, the kids what, say that? What would you guys say is the over under over under on the number of downloads his rap album gets this week? Hmm. Uh how many? the NFL in the U.S. And, Divide and, that into we're, talking about, we're, we're, we're talking about an NFL player, Sean. I made it through uh, one and a half songs. And I was like, <laughs> I, I was about to lose my mind. And then it was like, all right, thank God he signed. Um, do you think that – I do kind of wonder, is there like a hidden something in there that, that we missed? Oh, my God. If you go to Spotify right now – Oh no, this is probably just my personalized Spotify. <laughs> I was like, it's the top album. Then I was like, wait, they have pink, I was like, they have pink fong animal songs on here and the talking heads. I was like, man, my stuff is blowing up. No, it turns out it's, it's just what I've listened to lately. Um, I, I just kind of wonder if there's like a, uh, like a hidden message in here. Maybe he's just a, 
Oh God! Should we place a Le'Veon Bell? Should we place a Is Le'Veon? Is that legal? Uh, probably not. We're not going to do that. It'll be almost as good <laughs> as as when I played a Charlie. That's Cashman. how he's going to make back all his money he lost. What if he's doing Brinson? Sues me for the pick six. <laughs> he sues the pick six podcast for fifty-two million. That actually probably be good for the podcast. We'd probably get a lot of publicity and yeah, make we, it all back. Yeah, I look. I don't. His album's not good. He's not going to make a bunch of money off that. He's doing what he loves, and he's I mean, he's he's been a running back. I, I somebody. What do y'all said in Slack? I think it was Sean. Maybe um, you're excited to have Le'Veon Bell back in the NFL. Yeah, that that was people were getting mad at like tweets about if Levy Bell screwed himself or if he played it smart. And there's people on both sides just getting mad at each other. And I think we went an entire season without watching one of the best running backs play who has a very unique style that no other running back has. So I, it's just I'm excited to just watch him. And the Jets are kind of exciting. They might be awful, and that might be exciting to watch too. But they also I think be- I think they'll be I think they'll be good. I think it comes down to Sam Darnold, and I just – I don't know. I mean, let's say, I, but I think they're an in, they're an interesting team. I like. I thought Sam Darnold was good last year, um, or good enough. I mean, I thought he flashed. And so you have Darnold, you have Jameson Crowder, you have Le'Veon Bell, you have Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa. I don't know. Jameson. I said Crowder, right? Did you? Yeah, that's. I mean, like that's enough pieces to get it done in Adam Gase's offense. Yeah, are we sure Adam Gase is good? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sold on that either. I think he's a good offensive mind. Hopefully he'll be less, um, I don't know. I mean, he didn't, I mean, he didn't have much to work with in Miami ever. No, no, that's true. And I mean, he hasn't had much to work with since he left Peyton Manning, to be honest. Yeah, you're right. So. Uh, all right. So that's the Le'Veon Bell breakdown. Did we miss anything? John, do you want to wrap a few verses for us? Um, I don't want to wrap, but to all my haters, I think Le'Veon should have signed with the Raiders. Oh, oh, wow. 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 Very nice. All right. Let's throw it to ourselves as we join Ryan Wilson to break down the Odell Beckham trade. Big time news hit the fan. By the way, subscribe, rate, and review if you like the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, now even Spotify. Big time news hit the fan. Odell Beckham traded from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns. I don't remember what time it was. I know that Mike Garofalo was of NFL Media was the first to report it. Jason Lockerfora of uh, CBS Sports NFL CBS Sports NFL Insider confirmed it. Um, the deal involves John Breach, and I'm here with John Breach, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner McGuff, as we are every night throughout free agency. The deal involves Odell going to the Browns. The Browns get in return a first-round pick this year, number 17 overall, a third-round pick this year. It's the Browns' second third-round pick, so good job by you, Dave Gettleman. And safety, Jabril Peppers. Let me ask you first, John, who won, who lost? Let me just say that if my parents walked in this room right now and told me I was adopted, I would not be more shocked than I was when Garofalo sent this tweet out that Odell was being traded. Like This was a total... Stunner. What was your question again? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll go to Sean because Sean wrote the winners and losers post. Sean, who won? Who lost? Good job, Breach. Good start to the podcast. <laughs> John is brain dead, apparently. I don't know what's going on with you, John. Um, I have the Browns as huge winners. I give them an A for the trade. This clearly, I think, puts them as the best team, at least on paper, in the division. Um, I mean, just three days ago, the Steelers lost Antonio Brown, and they're adding Odell Beckham, and I think – um, I think you can say that's a bit of a power shift. And I look at this as a big loss for the Giants. 
Obviously, you lose a player of uh, Beckham's caliber. That's going to hurt them on the field. But it just seems like the way in which that they've operated for the last year, they just don't have a clear direction. I mean, um, and that's not even looking at the return, which I think they could have probably gotten more. At, you know, the, the talk had been that they would need at least two first-round picks. They only got one first-round pick. And as you mentioned, they didn't even get the Browns' first third-round pick. They had to get the second one. Mm. But you look at what they've done in the past year. If they were willing to trade Odell Beckham for a price like this, why didn't they trade him a year ago? Why did they give him a huge extension, pay him $20 million last year uh, to play injured on a terrible team, and then trade him away and now have to eat close to $20 million in dead cap? So it just it seems to me it, it's just more about the context and the timing. It seems like they're operating without a plan. Um, and then you add in the fact that now it seems like they're going to undergo a rebuild. But if they were going to do that, then why did they draft a player like Saquon Barkley who is not – you know, a piece that you draft if you're go undergoing a rebuild. And now you're looking at a scenario where, sure, if the Giants hit on all their draft picks, uh, they draft a new quarterback, which is still a big if, maybe they can be competitive in a couple of years. But then when that happens, Saquon Barkley's been in the league taking hits for three years, and suddenly you have to give him a new contract. So it just they've it seems like they've just been operating without a clear plan or direction, and that's why I, I would give them an F. Ryan, how scared are you of the Cleveland Browns, who are now, I would guess, and we don't have odds on this right now, but I would guess the Cleveland Browns, I predicted they would be before the Odell Beckham trade, are the favorites to win the AFC North. Are you nervous as a Steelers fan? I've been saying that since January, <laughs> that, the, that the Browns were the best team in that division. I think the most disappointing team is the Ravens. We can talk about that later. But I'm looking at the Giants' roster right now, now that Odell is leaving for Cleveland. And uh, let me ask you something. Would you rather have Sterling Shepard, Corey Coleman, former Brown who can't stay on a team, as your wide receivers? Or would you rather have Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Antonio Callaway, Brashad Perryman, and David Njoku? I, should, I guess I could throw Evan Ingram in there. I mean, I, I know the answer to that question. May I? May I make an Odell? I mean, Odell. May I make an Ace Ventura reference? Gee, sure. Gee, let me think. I mean, it's a joke. Look at these freaking depth charts. The I would you could lop off Odell out of the entire situation, and I would still by far take the Browns over the uh, over over the Giants. This is a and it makes no sense. Like Eli Manning, what, what do they do? I mean, I, but again, back to the back to the Browns. This is a. I mean. This is a really good offense with Baker Mayfield, who set the record for rookie touchdowns in a season, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Antonio Callaway. Now they the have running backs. The, yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at running back and Duke Johnson. I mean, this is a loaded freaking offense. You could even argue that the two best offenses in football were created and crafted by John Dorsey from a personnel perspective with him being the GM of the Chiefs until he was released from that from his duties there and now with the Browns. The only issue is we have to see how this offensive line works out because you can have everything in place skill position-wise, and if you can't protect the quarterback, it's doo-dooville. So they re-signed Greg uh, Ross. Well, I'll, let me just chime in with Wilson and say that even if the offensive line is doo-dooville, yeah. like, what's the rest of the AFC North going to do about it? The Ravens just let... Mosley, Sedarius Smith, Terrell Suggs, just let the whole defense walk. The Bengals' defense isn't very good. They don't need linebackers. Steelers' defense isn't that good. So I, the Browns could literally field a, a offensive line as bad as the Giants was last season and, and still contend and be the front of their AFC North. That, and no, their, coaches, their, their coach is also Freddie Kitchens, who, if you look at the sack numbers, once he took over that offense from Hugh Jackson, 
uh, Baker Mayfield was hardly touched, and they utilized the more quick pass. Yeah, that's game, Baker so. Mayfield in year one. Freddie Kitchens in year one. And my point is that I don't disagree. They could win the AFC North. But if you want to – I mean, and maybe that's a big deal. Maybe that's all they want to do. They want to win nine games on the AFC North. But if you want to make a playoff run and you don't have an offensive line and you want your second year now franchise quarterback taking a bunch of hits, that's an issue. So, yeah, they're still the best team in the division, but their offensive line could be a huge question mark and that's something they may just need to sort out. Everything else looks great, and I have no issue with it. Um, they got rid of Jabril, Jabril Peppers. As we do this, they may end up with Earl Thomas. Uh, they're different safeties that play different positions, but Earl Thomas, by accounts, would, would be an upgrade. Um, I don't know what the Giants are doing, and, and I'll make a prediction here. And, and let me point out something that Evan Silva tweeted earlier on Tuesday. Uh, Mark Ross, the former Giants VP of player personnel, was on NFL Network, and he said that I think the Giants <laughs> might have missed an opportunity last year with Sam Darnold. Yeah, no doo-doo. Uh, and he thinks that the Giants will pass, will get a pass rusher at number six and because they're going all in on Eli Manning. So if that's the case, they draft a pass rusher, say Montez Sweat at number six, who had a great combine, a great senior bowl. Then they have the number 17 pick. It makes all the sense in the world for all the wrong reasons they would get someone like Daniel Jones out of Duke, who is basically Eli Manning 2.0. And he'll come in midway through the season and have the same terrible receivers to throw to, and he'll be a complete and utter bust. I don't understand. I, I do see people on Twitter saying they like this move for the Giants. I think those people need to be drug tested because it's a terrible move for New York. <laughs> They're going to be worse than they were last year. Is there any conceivable way that this team wins eight games? Any. I mean, yeah, there's a there's like a way that they could win eight. I want to hear it right now. Well, I mean, uh, like maybe a, new, a meteor. <laughs> a, a meteor. Uh, 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 uh. It's not really fun to make fun of someone for stuttering, Sean. But if that's your bag, sure, good job by you. Yeah. Um, if 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 a meteorite hits uh, Earth and hits Dallas, Philadelphia, and well, well the Redskins stink anyway. So maybe, you know, uh, Dallas- oh, oh, let me let me chime in real quick because on yesterday's podcast, I was literally saying that I could feel the Giants being a dark horse that I was potentially oh, yeah. sold that this team could win the division. And now I just want to shoot myself in the foot for making such a stupid comment because they're clearly a horribly run franchise, and there's no way they're getting to eight wins. <laughs> Ryan, stop sending a tear emoji at me. Look. I've completely changed my mind. One, it's because their offense revolves around Odell. Stack the box. Barkley's going to get killed this year. Here's the I'm thing. Done. It is unlikely that they'll win eight wins. They'll win eight games. I would I would anticipate that their over-under with this trade is probably set at, like, Five and a half or six and a half, but I mean, you, it, probably you can still luck into eight wins. I mean, you could have a couple of things. Yes, you can. Who lucked into eight wins last year? Name a team that lucked into eight wins. I mean, the Bills made the playoffs with a not very good team, and then the next no, year they that were team terrible. was much better than the Bears. Um, oh, no. oh my God! That first yeah, of all, the AFC is top heavy. That's how the Sean McDermott too. Don't forget that. The the Giants get the AFC East next year, so they play the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets. They get the Cardinals. They get the Buccaneers. Wait a second. You forgot the Patriots. I mean, that's a loss, clearly. <laughs> he just he's pointing out the winnable games, Will. Oh, okay. Right, right. I mean, like it doesn't look like they're going to. The they're probably not going to win eight games. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say I think they will. Again, I think the over under is going to be set at like six and a half or. Five, maybe maybe five and a half or six. They won't be that low. People buy it like the Giants for some reason. And they have improved their offensive line. They might draft another tackle or something in the draft. Saquon Barkley. Let me, let me ask you this quickly. So two picks in the first round. Generally speaking, what should they target with those two picks? Just in terms of positions. I don't think you should take a quarterback because what's that guy going to do? He's just going to sit there and watch Eli Manning take a beating. If they take so, da- if they take Daniel Jones at 17 and trade Odell Beckham for Daniel Jones, 
that's the funniest thing on the entire planet. I mean, it's, so what do they need to target? They, their offensive line is is marginally better. They need wide receivers. What else? I don't think that their roster is good enough, and I think they've sort of realized this internally, and this is what they're doing. They're trying to spin this to make um, Saquon, as I mentioned yesterday, they want to make Saquon the face of the franchise. That's that's what you hear. What year is this? Why are you doing that? I'm not saying it's a smart plan. I'm just telling you what I think they're doing. They're trying to improve their offensive line. They drafted Will Hernandez last year. They signed Nate Solder. Uh, they traded for Kevin Zeitler. And so they have a decent, like, they could be okay in terms of running the football. I'm not saying it's going to work, but I know, like, our buddy Nick Costas pointed out that they maybe want to do the 2016 Cowboys plan where you have a, a limited quarterback situation. You try to pound the ball with, the, with your young running back. Again, not saying it's going to work. I'm just, we're just trying to rationalize what the hell Dave Gettleman might be doing because he looks like a moron with all these deals that he's making. I, I mean, look, they traded Olivier Vernon. They let Landon Collins to the Browns. They let Landon Collins walk. BJ Hill is a good young player. Dalvin Tomlinson's fine. Um, they're not. They have Alec Ogletree there. They're not. They're not going to be good on defense. Their defense is going to be bad. So if I am Dave Gettleman, I am using their first two picks on defensive players, unless there's just a stud wide receiver that we really like at 17. And then I'm coming back and doing some more of that in, in next year. And then I'm going to come back in the 2019 class after we stink and we don't win eight games and draft a quarterback in 2019 or 2020. I mean, that's... Yeah, you're not going to be around in 2020 to make that pick if you're Dave Gettleman at the rate they're going. I mean, just list a laundry list of crappy decisions. How does he survive this year if they go 2-14? I mean, I think Dave Gettleman... Look, I'm not... You got to understand that the Mara family is... Bought in to get on. They, they believe in Gettleman. I'm a Bengals fan. I know. They'll stick with people. They'll, they have patience. Right. They're going to be patient with him. They obviously signed off on this to get rid of Dave, Get to get rid of, to get rid of, <laughs> to get rid of Odell Beckham. I think they Wait were, a second. Why they signed him last year then? They don't, they never liked him, man. They never liked him in the first place. Is that what you do? When you, when you hate your girlfriend, you buy her a new $40,000 car? Yeah. Is that not what you're supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, John Mara. I mean, I guess I look, I'm not saying again, I'm not, I'm not saying what they're doing is smart here. Okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that, but I am saying that I think what you have in this is the giants trying to reposition themselves where they, they bank on, um, they bank on Saquon Barkley being the face of the franchise and being the guy they, they focus their offense on. You can shake your head at me all you want. I'm not suggesting it's a smart move. I'm saying that's what they're doing. Now, is it stupid? Yeah, probably. Are they doing it? Yes. I mean, that's what they're doing, right? <laughs> what about you know what's Cal- funny about Cal- this trade? It, I mean, it's not really funny. Sorry, Wilson. I was just going to say that you know where Odell Beckham was when this whole thing went down? Any guesses? Um, on Belichick's boat shirtless. Not on Belichick's boat shirtless. That's a solid guess, Sean. Odell is in Paris. This trade went down at 1 a.m. local time for him. So when you hear people saying – Hey, I was on the phone with Odell Beckham, or, or, or I think one of the NFL Network reporters said that Odell talked to Gettleman also, plus a couple reporters. This guy's just hanging out in France at 1 a.m., getting a phone call that he's been traded to the Cleveland Browns, which just blows my mind. And by the way, he's there because he's been following Drake around on tour. And I think Von Miller's there, too. A little I mean, inside information look, for you guys. Look, you, that's, great. that's a great job, Breach. Um, very proud of you for that. The uh, I mean, I think one thing you got to realize about – Odell Beckham and the, the Giants ownership and the way that those and the Giants front office is that they didn't like Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham was not going to respond well to being 
the the secondary option in terms of marketing and focus on offense behind Saquon Barkley. They have been sick and tired of of Odell Beckham's uh, on and off field antics for several Why years. Pay now. him. Yeah, that's the problem. No, it's all a problem. Trading him and paying him and trading him is all stupid. It's idiotic. It's a dumb move. I Again, I'm not trying to tell you that this was smart. I'm telling you what their mindset is and why they did all this and why you will hear people rationalize it. Go read. Go listen to Mike Francesa. He's going to parrot whatever the Giants tell him to parrot. And he's out there. He's like, it was, it was time. It was due. He was, you needed to get rid of him. Yeah. You definitely needed to get rid of one of the five most prolific wide receivers in the first five years of his contract. Uh, you know, at age 26, right after you'd signed him to a brand new deal. That makes total sense. Very smart. Why wouldn't you burn it to the ground and, and, and agree that you made a mistake and signed it? Look, it's idiotic. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you what their logic is. Again. Yeah, they're going to win three games. Okay. Um, By uh, the way, Browns, according to Sportsline, now have a 63% chance of winning the AFC North, according to their projections. Uh, it, was like, it was like 50%, I think. I think it was like 57, and their projected number of wins jumped to 10.1. I think only roughly like 0.6 wins compared to um, before it's, they got it's, back uh, It's 69.8% of – oh, no, he – he did. Did I just miss that? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Winning the division, it went from 38.3 to 50.5% chance of, 50% chance of winning the division, which I don't even disagree with because I think it's a 50-50 split between them and the Steelers. Uh, 69.8% chance of making the playoffs now. 7.2% chance of winning the AFC and a 3.3% chance of making the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Like that is a but, huge number for, for a team that hasn't won seven games in like 10 years. Yeah, but it's, I, I, feel, I don't understand how you're just writing off the Bengals like that. that that's I, feel, all. I feel like they're set up for the an Bengals. Implosion. The Bengals might be the worst team in football. No, that's not true. But I do Ooh, wonder I like if all this pressure is going to build up and sort of bubble over for the for the Browns. I, I, that's I think that's a great question, Ryan, because Freddie Kitchens is in his first year, never been a head coach. There are questions with the offensive line. Uh, you are transitioning on defense. You know, you don't have the same. Greg Williams' fiery spirit that you had before, and I look. It's possible if the Browns don't make the playoffs, they people in Cleveland will riot. It will be a Freddie Kitchens might get fired. That's how that's how ridiculously out of whack expectations have gotten. What if they fire Freddie Kitchens and promote the defensive coordinator? Do you know who they hire for defensive coordinator? You're asking me who the yeah it's it's Steve Wilkes. Yeah, Yeah. that would be the most Cleveland thing ever. Yeah, I mean, look, Steve Wilkes. They have a good, they have a good defense. I mean, they signed, uh, Sheldon Richardson on the, uh, on the second day. God, that, that feels like 12 hours. It was 12 hours ago. It feels like, it was, exactly. <laughs> feels like two weeks ago. Uh, they, th- that was one of the moves made by Cleveland. They signed Sheldon Richardson. They traded for Olivier Vernon. Um, they have, of course, Miles Garrett. They have Larry O from Charlotte. Uh, they, they've got a really Gobi. good, yeah, Larry O. Godobi. They got a really good defensive line. And they have good linebackers. They have good guys in the secondary. There's rumors out there started by John Breach that they could, that they could, um, sign Earl Thomas. This is an all in shove by the Cleveland Browns and I love it. Yep. No, I agree. I, I think, um, absolutely. There's no reason not to do it. And you know who, who deserves praise and who's not getting it right now or sort of is, but deserves more? Sashi Brown. Sashi Brown, baby. Oh, well, great. Yeah, I agree. Look, John Dorsey's killing it, but. He wouldn't be able to do this without the resources that that Sashi Brown gave him. Uh, John, who wins the uh, who wins the AFC North in twenty nineteen? 
Uh, well, right now, none of us are the winners because Sean is so close to his computer that his face is suffocating me. Yeah. But besides that... Uh, I was reading something, sorry. It, okay, so... <laughs> The, the winner of the AFC North in 2019, I mean, I, I do think it has to be the Browns, although I like Wilson's theory here that they are untested. And look, this is a team that has not made the playoffs in 16 years. It's kind, it's hard to shake that kind of stigma. You get up to an 0-2 start, and it's like, oh, no, the wheels are off the wagon again, which could be completely possible. You get the Browns. They're going to be on prime time all the time now, so they might open on Sunday night, so they'll be playing someone good. They, they might turn around and play Monday Night Football on week two. Like, the NFL is just going to throw everything at them. They're throw the kitchen at sink at Freddy Kitchens. Ha! <laughs> Left my own joke. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you could see the earth? Browns. I, you know, I think it's going to be – Every team winning between six and ten games. I don't think we're going to see anyone run away with the division. But I you do think, think the Bengals right are going to win six paid. games. And maybe that's my bold prediction. I do. I do not agree with Brinson. They're the worst team in the NFL. I think they've been good for six or seven games for like the last ten years. So they're going to win at least six games, if not seven or eight. Wow. Browns win ten. Steelers win nine. Ravens win eight. That's your AFC North. Okay. Uh, moving along, another trade happened. It was kind of incredible. Uh, Sean, to see this trade unfold because it happened like it was literally in the wake of the Odell Beckham trade. The Chiefs trade franchise tagged pass rusher D4 to the San Francisco 49ers for a 2020 second round pick. San Francisco very promptly, uh, gave him, according to uh, James Palmer, had at first an $87.5 million contract over five years. I mean, this happened in the wake of the Odell trade. It like barely moved the needle. This would have been the number one headline on a random day next week if this happened for like three hours and we would have talked about it. And it was just like people were too busy screaming about Odell. What are your thoughts on uh, D Ford to the 49ers? Real quick on the timing. Uh, do you think maybe the 49ers were trying to trade for Odell and then see that the Browns got Browns get him and then they decide, OK, let's go get D Ford as our you know backup kind of trade? That's it's. I think R.J. White, our editor, mentioned that. In oh, Slack. did he? Yeah, okay. no, no. It's a it's a really good idea because it it happened so quickly after it that you feel like they were dangling maybe the second round pick in 2019 and the second round pick in 2020 for Odell. I, I think if they, but and by the way, just one more thing on this Beckham stuff, the Giants have been lying for two years. They wanted to trade him. I mean, if this is what you took got for Odell. Like, this is the best deal you could got? What, what if you had called around? Like, what, call around the NFL and ask every – call the Patriots and say, what will you give me for Odell Beckham? They won't give you better than a first and a third and Jabril Peppers? I, I, I think they got a lot. I, I'm okay with the compensation. I actually floated in Slack um, earlier today um, that the Packers with their two first-round picks and with one of those first-round picks being so late – like, I would have liked to have seen that and go all in with Aaron Rodgers in his last couple of years. Do you think that the Antonio Brown market hurt uh, the Odell Beckham trade market? No, I think it helped, actually, because um, it probably hurt the Steelers. Sure. But he, yeah, it he, makes the Steelers look like fools, right, Wilson? They do. <laughs> yeah, they were. I mean, they, they couldn't have done that any worse, to be honest with you. I mean, you can't get the same thing you got for Martavis Bryant, that's basically what happened. <laughs> sure can. By the way, uh, our guy Warren Shop tweeted this, and, and it's hilarious. Imagine passing up the opportunity to draft a stud QB number two overall to pair and grow with o Odell and instead trade Odell to grow with Baker on another team while you carry Eli, 20, $21 million in dead cap space for Odell the next two years, and a running back you drafted at number two. It's, it's humiliating. 
Yeah, it's disastrous. Anyway, back to the Chiefs. I mean, we could do an Odell Beckham trade podcast, honestly. But, I mean, I think so much happened that, I mean, shouldn't we move on? Did we cover it appropriately? I feel like we did. Well, I think the irony here is that we almost started this podcast and didn't talk about the Odell Beckham trade because we were, we were firing this thing up five minutes before that thing happened. Uh, it, that's exactly right. He got traded at like 823 maybe or like I have to go back and look. I mean, we were going to podcast at 8. Was it 8 o'clock we were going to podcast? And then eight o'clock. Oh, he, got tra- he got traded just before that. He got right. Yeah, he got traded like seven fifty eight or something like that. And um, we were about to fire up. I don't know if we'd even invited Sean yet. Uh, I was going to say I'm a little bit offended here. <laughs> you guys are talking about these plans. You made I was not involved in these plans. To be to be perfectly clear, Sean, what had happened was um, I had been informed that I would be on call until two a.m. for video. I was trying to get ready for uh, HQ appearances. I was finishing a story. My wife decided after I had informed her about this, and then went downstairs to work while she. Uh, sick, laid in bed with my son, who's also sick, that she needed to have a panic attack about our Disney World itinerary. And um, when are you going to Disney World? In May. Very excited. Very excited. <laughs> Preach got really excited there. Hey, uh, by the way, so um, Bernard Perryman signed that one. Was set to sign the four million dollar deal for one year earlier today with the see, Browns. See what earlier. I mean? Nobody cares about D Ford at all. <laughs> well, I just read this. I just read some chapters. This is hilarious. So we know about the Odell Beckham trade. Brashard Perriman apparently wasn't happy about it, and he wanted to back out of that deal. Uh, Schefter reports he is now going to the Buccaneers on that one year four million dollar deal. So wait, he is leaving. The Browns let him out. The, it wasn't uh, signed. It was you know, and the paperwork was being pushed around the table there. So now it looks like, and I think he's represented by Drew Rosenhaus, who also represents Odell Beckham, I believe. Mm. So they worked that deal out, and, and as the Odell Beckham deal was being consummated, is, is is Rosenhaus his agent? I don't think he is. I don't think I don't. Here, th- here's here's what Schefter said after the trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Browns GM John Dorsey and agent Drew Rosenhaus mutually agreed not to follow through on the verbal agreement with wide receiver Brashad Perriman. So Perriman, I don't know whose agent he is, but Perriman will now sign a one-year four million dollar deal with Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Odell. Odell's no, no, because no, I think Odell is with um, the Rock Sports Group. He's not with, or no, that's Saquon. He's with Elite Sports Management, maybe. But he's not. He, I, Odell is not with Drew Rosenhaus. I'm, I'm pretty. We would have seen Drew Rosenhaus in uh, out and about with Odell if, if that was the case. Um, at any rate, yeah, I mean, look, Rashad Perryman, big loser in this deal because he was going to the Super Bowl winning Browns, and now he has to turn tail and head back to. Let me uh, catch some bombs from Jamison, that Bruce Arians offense. So it may not may work out for him. Yeah, good for him. I'm sure, that'd be great. I mean, maybe they can revive his career there. It's not, I, I agree. It's not a bad spot. It's a nice little secondary win for him. Uh, back to D Ford. Do you think that D the acquisition of D Ford, and now they'll have Solomon Thomas, uh, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner. They paid a ton of money to Quan Alexander, which we don't like, but is a, you know, he's a, he's a player. Um, they have Richard Sherman, Adrian Colbert. I mean, he's a good player if he's healthy and he's on the field. Uh, they got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. If Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy with this D Ford move, can the 49ers compete, Ryan, in the NFC West? Fred Warner, their second, second or third round pick last year is yep. going to play alongside Quan Alexander inside there. You mentioned D Ford. How do you think about, uh, what do you think about this? The number two pick, Nick Bosa. Then you have D. Ford and DeForest Buckner. I mean, that's some game-changing talent like right it. there. Yeah, and look, Robert Sala has been aggressive as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, and that too. So I don't – look, D. Ford doesn't change anything for me if you're the 49ers. You take Nick Bosa number two, assuming Calamari goes first overall. Uh, you're going to need uh, – let, let, let me ask you this on the Kyler Murray thing. I thought about this earlier today, and I, I sort of got a little – 
spidey sense about it. But have you noticed that the Cardinals moves have really been more designed? Like they haven't done much. They, you know, they got, they got Terrell Suggs, but they really, they've been focusing on offensive linemen. And I, I sort of feel like they might be kind of deciding to go with Josh Rosen and getting those offensive linemen to help him. Cause I don't know if that's what you would do. Like they're not adding playmakers. What would you do if you were thinking about Kyler Murray? I would be getting, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess you, I would be a little less concerned about the offensive line because he's so mobile. You know what I mean? Would you sign okay. Brett Huntley as your backup quarterback? Uh, did they, they did, do that? They did sign Brett Huntley. Oh, they did. So, uh, and JLC has been reporting. In fact, a week ago he reported that they're all in on Kyler Murray. I've seen reports and I haven't, I haven't seen this from anyone, but, uh, I think, uh, Tony Pauline, who's like a draft analyst guy who's been around forever. But he said Cliff Kings, Kingsbury was basically saying at the combine, and I don't, I can't back this up, but that they're all in on Kyler Murray as well. Um, so I don't think you can't trade Josh Rosen before you get Kyler Murray because what happens, you don't know what's going to happen uh, in terms of like uh, just randomness. Kyler Murray gets hit by a, a bus or something. Well, do you so yeah. do you think that Marcus Gilbert and J.R. Sweezy, who are now going to be the right side of the Cardinals' offensive line, they trade for Sweezy from the Steelers, they trade for Gilbert from the Steelers, sign Sweezy for agency? Is that I don't know. Is that like an athletic duo on the right side for a Kyler Murray? I don't know. Gilbert's pretty athletic when he's healthy. Um, I don't know about Sweezy, the former Seahawks guy. I like that. We're not even talking about D Ford anymore. <laughs> yeah, we sort of. Yeah, well, I, I just launching point was that I said you have to take Nick Bosa number two, no matter what happens, assuming they take Kyler Murray number one. But even if they don't take Kyler Murray, you have Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't take. You're not worried about Kyler Murray unless you're looking to trade down and get more picks. But I feel like you shouldn't pass up on Nick Bosa. I feel like the Cardinals are all in a Kyler Murray, and I feel like it's only a matter of time before Josh Rosen. Uh, I don't know where he ends up. Maybe he ends up. It would be hysterical if he ends up with the Giants. Hmm. I, I it blows my mind if, if if NFL news had just stopped at 7:45 p.m. tonight, <laughs> we would probably be talking about Brian Anger being cut by the Buccaneers, like something just absurd, or Le'Veon Bell not signing. It was just that there was so many not huge needle moving point moving moves uh you know what i'm saying so there, there wasn't anything huge today we saw a dozens and dozens of moves but nothing that was you know leading the podcast where they now we got odell and d4 in a matter of five minutes yeah it's it's pretty crazy i mean like i was i was sort of thinking like oh maybe we'll talk about uh maybe we'll get a good 15 minutes in on um on uh old anthony Barr signing with the jets and then returning <laughs> to the vikings i was like this podcast is gonna suck uh and yeah odell <laughs> odell, Be- odell beckham bailed us out we could do like four four podcasts on odell uh i will say this about the chiefs Getting rid of D Ford, you go and get a 2020 pick in return, second rounder. And I think, I'll say this about both teams actually. I think the fact that the moves the 49ers have made, coupled with their unwillingness to give up a current draft pick, because I think the Chiefs would love to get their third round pick. I'm pretty sure they have one. Um, that tells you that the 49ers are very much in win now mode. I know they got those long contracts to start out their careers, John, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, but it's already year three, right? I mean, you, you can't, not win forever. You have to, I mean, you, this, they're only, they're gonna be, this is gonna be the halfway point of those contracts. And so I think they feel a little bit of pressure from Jed York and the crew there to try and win now. Um, as far as the Chiefs go, again, $14.5 million cap space that they cleared up with the D4 trade. Maybe you get a good pick next year. You get to be a top 100 pick or top 75 pick next year. But it makes you wonder if they don't have another free agency move in mind or if they are trying to make something happen with that cap space. And I guess they just don't buy that D Ford 
is a going to be consistent when he gets paid because remember he was largely a bust as a first round pick, 23rd overall in 2014 until this year when he had 13 sacks, nine of or eight of which came in their final nine games. I'm a little bit concerned about their pass rush though because they also got rid of Justin Houston, which uh, together the two players combined for 22 sacks last year and. Um, the pass rush was really their only redeeming quality on defense a year ago. And I guess you can make the argument. Yeah. Right. And I guess you can make the argument is that they led the league in sacks and they still were terrible defensively. So why not just get rid of it? Um, if I were them though, I would have, I don't really like the return for them. I would have preferred just to let them play on the tag and because they are in win now mode. And even if you're going to lose D4 for free in a year. Now they are, they are, I mean, like they are switching to a 4-3. But he, they sent him to a team that plays a four three anyway. You know, like I, I feel like D4- I just think they could have used them in the middle of their Super Bowl window because as it stands now, they're only. I mean, Chris Jones led the team in sacks last they year. They like Breland Speaks too, by the way. He's a rookie last year. Okay, I mean, I just, I just, I think you're getting rid of your two best edge rushers, um, and I don't know. They're not going to replace him in free agency. Maybe you know it's a deep you know draft in terms of edge rushers. Maybe they go get him there, but. Brian's shaking his head at me. They're uh, not, yeah. You have like seven guys, and after that, it's, you know, it's much less than what you gave up. Well, it's just weird that you would do this deal and like after, you know, guys like Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith or, you know, they both who went to the Packers. I mean, like, it's like all, like all the, fr- all the guys have been tagged and snapped up. So you basically have to manufacture pass rush, uh, in house if you, you know, if you want to. Yeah, get- but they like Chris Jones and like Breland Speaks. Sure, Chris Jones like is a stud, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you can't get hurt. That's the other issue. So you have to work around that. They got Teron Matthew on the back end. I think that makes them better. We have to see what they're going to sure. do with um, what's his name, uh, Eric, the other safety Eric, there, Eric Berry. Eric, I always get him confused with Earl. But yeah, so I mean, they, they have a lot of holes there, and, and maybe the theory Earl Earl, maybe, Earl Bailey or Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas, like Earl Thomas, they came out at the same time. I, I can never remember either one of their names. Maybe the Andy Reid's plan is just to score 100 points too. I mean, I, I don't know. Earl Bailey sounds like somebody who would be like on a show that you watch. No, no, Earl Bailey kid. is Thurl Bailey's brother. Everyone knows that. Earl Bailey, remember him on that? Uh, Why is it show? Bailey? You know Thurl Why Bailey? isn't it Barry? I don't, it is. I don't know. <laughs> Why are we saying? Bailey? Oh, but you know why? Because it sounds like Thurl Bailey. I also got confused. All right, we've. Fallen into a deep web of terrible. Hey, is the last time NC State was good in basketball? Live it. Wow, shots across the bow. Nothing false about that. Um, we're going to take a quick break so I can scream at Ryan and call him an a hole. After that, we'll be right back to break down the other news from free agency. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot 
Carter Finley. Shout out, Carter Finley. Or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip. Maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid. I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, so lots of signings, lots of stuff to get into. Uh, there were a couple signings that we got to talk about um, from the night before. So we did we recorded the pod at like 8.30 on Monday night for Tuesday. This is Wednesday's podcast. We're recording it at like 11 p.m. So if Le'Veon Bell signs, we're going to look like uh, chumps. But we saw Anthony Barr breach sign a monster deal with the Jets, presumably to move from being a, a traditional linebacker into a pass-rushing role in Greg Williams' system. And then all of a sudden he has a change of heart and he bails and he goes back to Minnesota and signs a huge deal with the Vikings. What did you make about that? This feels like your sort of thing where somebody does a, a weird bail on free agency. I don't know why. Uh- I love being the expert on that, and I'll go ahead and grab that title, and we can jump to me and all these down the road. But here's the thing is that if you're Anthony Barr, you've been in Minnesota your whole entire career. You're, at first, you're making a money grab, and the Jets, I think we don't know the exact number. It was 14 to $15 million a year if you're Anthony Barr. That's huge money because you were on your rookie contract. Uh, and then I think it was ESPN that reported that he started going to bed. You know, felt like he was going to throw up, sick to, sick to his stomach. Because he's like, hey, I'm leaving Minnesota. This is real. Calls the Vikings. Can you throw a little bit more money in? And now he got a pretty awesome deal. And here's the thing is that Mike Zimmer pretty much started building that defense around Anthony Barr. That was Zimmer's first draft pick ever. Zimmer was hired as a coach in 2014. His first pick in the first round was Anthony Barr. And so I think Zimmer probably said, hey, man. You are kind of a key part of our defense. We really want you. The Vikings did up their offer. I think he can make up the $15 million if it hits all his incentives. So I think Barr made the right decision, and I just love that he threw drama into that, threw us a bone, the writers, because we love drama. And, you know, the Jets, I don't think they're hurting too bad. They've been just cleaning up, signing people in free agency left and right. So I think that Barr made the right decision here. I think it helps the Jets. I think the contract they were paying him – I think it was reported to be between like 14 million a year, 15 million a year. I think that's too much for a guy who in the NFL has never been, you know, an edge rusher, the Cleo Mack type, Von Miller type of linebacker. He's just been an off ball linebacker who blitzes sometimes. And I know he did it at UCLA, but I don't, nothing the Jets have done inspired me to think that they would be the ones to be able to convert him back to being a successful edge rusher. So I think they were overpaying. So I think it kind of helps them. The Jets are being a little too desperate for my, for my liking. Uh, two, I mean, they are. They like two seasons. And I like, again, I like Jamison Crowder. I like Anthony Barr. The conversion back to pass rusher, I, I agree, would have been a problem. They're just making it, they're spending a little too much money. It's hard to win by, by just being good in free agency. You know, like it, it's hard to win as an NFL team. I, we still don't know what's going to happen with Le'Veon Bell. You know, look, we're not going to know by the time this podcast gets done, unless we just sit on here for another two hours. He has a party at midnight on uh, on Tuesday, which is, or I guess midnight Wednesday. Uh, Ryan's been assigned to stay up and to live blog that party. Ryan, what do you think about live blogging a rap album release from Le'Veon Bell? All I know is that John is exactly right. I, the more this goofball waits around to sign a deal, the, the less money he's going to get. He's looking at 11 to $12 million. 
And how do you – this is a rare instance where you want your agent to tell no one what you're getting paid on your deal, and it's going to come out, and he's going to look like a buffoon. I, I don't know – I don't know how this this ends for him. And if he goes to the, and the Jets actually seem like, from what we we're hearing, uh, reading in reports and on Twitter, that they're not going to get in a bidding war with themselves over Le'Veon Bell. There were reports on uh, Tuesday that he may go to the Ravens, and that seemed to be squashed. The Raiders were another team that were mentioned. I don't know where that is right now, but I don't think he has a lot of options. He has, I feel like he has zero options at fifteen million a year. So he's twenty-seven years old. He took last year off to ride jet skis. He's having a party to, to, uh, on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning for his rap album. Maybe that's more important to him. I, I, I don't know. I feel like if he had a time machine, he would just sign with the Steelers and, and get on with it. Do you think – Wilson, I think – I was going to say real quick that Wilson asked what his best options at this point, and I feel like it might be just retiring from football and being a professional rapper. He's not a very good rapper. <laughs> I mean, he's just not. I no. mean, like, I'm not hey, – Have you listened to his album, Brenton? Yeah, it's not that good. I mean, I listen to parts of it. I know Ryan hates it because um, all he does is, like, blast the Steelers – and North Carolina. He rips the Steelers, North Carolina, and Syracuse. It's really weird. It's very specific. Um, yeah. But I, I, look, I think the interesting thing is what you saw, and I, I don't want to, you know, um, I don't want to uh, source guess or anything like that. But look, you know, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media comes out and says it's between the Ravens and the Jets. And Jason Lockenfora of CBS and Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk both come out very quickly after and say the Ravens are not in on this. And it would be very un-Ravens-like, even though there's some spite there to sign in with the Steelers. It would be very unlike anything the Ravens have done over years. I know they have a new GM in Eric DaCosta, but he trained under Ozzie Newsom. He's going to stick to some of those principles. It would be very surprising if they went out and spent a ton of money on a running back and competed with the Jets for that running back uh, in terms of cash. And then there's also Especially because they might sign Mark Ingram. Right, and Mark Ingram's a better value than Le'Veon Bell in terms of what you're going to get at the cost. Uh, and, and then we also heard, of course, I say it's not like the Ravens and they go out and do it immediately. Um, and then, but the uh, and then the Raiders were mentioned by FanSided.com as well as uh, Michael Gelkin of the uh, Las Vegas is it Review Journal? I think it's Review Journal. Can we just yeah. can we fix these newspaper names in 2019? This is like the Las Vegas the Las Vegas paper. Yeah, like I mean, how many do we have? Right? I mean, like, what do I need? Like, they're all condensed uh, too. Las Vegas Sun. Well, right, just let's condense them and get rid of local news. We don't need that policing anyway. Um, I'm just kidding. I love news. I'm joking. Wow. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's the hottest take I think you've ever read. I am oh, joking. I, I love for... local news. I love reading the paper. The Raleigh News and Observer is great. I know Ryan takes his paper every morning with a fresh cup of chai quick, tea. Quick story. My first year in college, which was 1991, I, I went to college. Oh, my God. I wasn't really You weren't you, born you in 91? I had my mother mail me the Raleigh News and Observer every day because you couldn't read things online. So I would get the paper like three days later in my mailbox, and I would be reading like days-old news. But I was reading the Raleigh News and Observer, supporting local media, unlike Brinson, who apparently hates local news. You're trash, Ryan. You're trash. Uh, congratulations on being old enough to read the newspaper. Um, Sean's <laughs> never seen a newspaper. Sean has no response for that. At any rate, uh, but Michael Gelkin also mentioned that the Raiders are monitoring Le'Veon Bell's market. All of this, as you said, leads me to believe that Le'Veon Bell, who tweeted out, oh, so many options, who to choose, who to choose. It's like, eh, thou, thou doth protest a bit much, Mr. Bell. It leads me to believe that the Jets are the only team in on Bell that Mike McCagnan didn't realize it until Lockin' for and, and BFT wrote about it. And that the Jets have now given him a deadline after giving him their best offer, which is probably um, – uh, what do you think his best offer is from the Jets? Three- $11 million. And I love the Jets are calling his bluff because it's absolutely what they should do. And here's the thing is that 
I think that maybe rap sheet or someone else at NFL Network, I'm not sure. But after Barr backed out, they were like, oh, that's even more money. The Jets are going to up their deal. So if the Jets up their deal and Le'Veon Bell still has not accepted it, that tells me that it was pretty low to begin with. We'll say $10.5 million. Maybe they upped it to $11.5 million. But it is some numbers that is so low that Le'Veon Bell had no idea it would be that low. And now he he literally doesn't know what to do. That's what it kind of feels like. He knows how dumb he's going to look for turning down uh, $15 guaranteed for three years uh, and taking this $11 I mean, this is just going to be one of the all-time dumbest moves in NFL history that he sat out an entire year. Besides the Odell trade by Gettleman, this is going (laughs) to rank number two that he sat out just took a pass on all this money and now is going to take less money and not make that money back that he missed out on last year. So, I mean, this is just ugly. Yeah. I I thought Greg, Greg Rosenthal, Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com had a good point. Like it's looking more likely by the hour that the best Le'Veon Bell deal came from the Steelers last year when they tried to give him 45 million over the first three years. And I get the second best deal came the year before when they tried to give him a deal that he turned down. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers, I'm not going to feel bad for the Steelers. They've had a good run. They got lots of titles. Um, they could have capitalized more if they knew how to beat the Patriots. But, you know, they've sort of had, this has been a rough, rough two year run in terms of getting beat around by, by these players. Like they offered Le'Veon Bell what appears to be an above market deal to make him a highly paid running back and he wouldn't take it. And they, you know, Antonio Brown blasted him into the, into, uh, you know, to a crater. Out of space. Yeah. Well, let me ask Wilson a question here. Wilson, if the Steelers said, you know what, let's call up Le'Veon Bell, and they called him tomorrow and offered him $12.5 million a year for three years, would you want that? No, absolutely not. I like James Conner. He does exactly what Le'Veon does without the headache. He makes $900,000 a year. They have so many other needs all on defense, and, of course, they need a wide receiver now. And the same conversation I was having with Antonio Brown, how do you moonwalk back into the locker room after <laughs> taking a year off because you didn't – feel like you were going to be fairly compensated when okay we thought that he was going to sit out to the end of training camp but none of his teammates knew that he was going to just say forget it not only for a month but for 16 17 weeks yeah he clearly doesn't care about playing football enough to show up he's doing this party on on tuesday night he's jet skiing around all the time last year not all the time but um you know having a good time i I don't think the fact that only one team is interested in him tells you all you need to know i feel like um by the way, Antonio Brown has already dyed his mustache back, his, his goatee and mustache back from the blonde. I got to give him credit. That's one of the all time, I'm a Looney Tune, you got to trade me power plays I've ever yep. seen. And it's 100%. like, like, These guys are so safe. <laughs> he really is. Like I He limped right off the plane in Oakland and he started sprinting <laughs> with his black mustache like nothing happened. <laughs> Wilson and I saw that blonde mustache up close and in person. I still have nightmares about it. I have a little was, blonde John, worm mustache crawling all over me. So what? John and I were at a Macy's uh, autograph signing at, in Buckhead, Atlanta during Super Bowl week that Friday. And John, you and I were 10 feet from um, Antonio Bradford for an hour. How weird and out of sorts and out of it was he acting for that hour? I mean, that he did textbook, which you would need to do if you were trying to get your team to trade. You just act as bizarre as possible. Every report, every tweet from this autograph sign is going to say, what is wrong with Antonio Brown? Why is he so weird? Why is he acting so bizarrely? And then, you know, that was the Friday before the Super Bowl. So that was February 1st. A month later, it just multiplied by the day how weird he was acting. So, I mean, we were kind of there for the beginning of it. 
And that blonde mustache, Wilson, I think now that he doesn't have it, you should dye yours. Mm, I like it. Um, by the way, now that uh, Gonzaga has lost to St. Mary's, shocker, uh, hurts the bubble, bad for the bubble. Wofford has the longest winning streak in America. Great call, Matt Norlander. Um, crazy, right? This has been a fun march already, guys. Uh, at any rate, Antonio Brown, I bet he has a good first year. And then I bet he. I bet no, wait he, a second. You can't just say that. We talked about this the other day. Uh, I'm, gonna... I'm, I'm reversing my stance on it. That's what I'm telling you. I think he's faked the crazy pants, and now he's going to go back and blow up. But in you his know first what? Year. Derek Carr is still Derek Carr. He can be as insane as he wants to be. You're not going to make Derek Carr throw you the ball more. Yeah, he's accurate. Get him the ball in space and short yardage plays on slants and bubble screens and blow up. He'll have a big day, big year. Um, certainly, he will have. At any rate, glossing um, <laughs> over that next topic. Well, I'm not. Gonna, I don't want to get bogged down on a secondary Antonio Brown discussion when there's so much to talk about. Like the Raiders signing Lamarcus Joyner, Sean was all over this story on Monday night. What do you think about that signing, Sean? I mean, they have money to spend. Um, forty-four million. Forty-four million. What's that? Is it forty-two or forty-four? I'm, I'm not sure. That came out. That came out the next day. Um, I think the only age, the age is the only concern because I think he's actually like 28 or going to be 28 soon. Uh, maybe 27. Um, he's not young. What's that? That's okay. 28, right? He's, it's fine. Like, he'll I think be, they had be... money to spend. He's a good player. The Rams obviously weren't going to keep him as soon as they signed Weddle and they also committed cap space to Dante Fowler. Um, the problem with the Raiders still is you can shore up the back end all you want, but. You better be go get getting some edge rushers um, in the draft because it's not going to matter um, if they can't rush the passer, which they cannot do last year. What did you think about Jawan James signing with the Denver Broncos, Ryan? I know you've been high on John Elway and his quarterback uh, moves, and so I'm sure you like the idea of him shoring up the offensive line. All right, so let's see. I have a whole list of things because I've been updating my mock draft like hourly it's insane i have 13 changes in the first round based on what's happened so that's that's why you don't do any work during the day 36 hours yeah that's why so they have joe flacco they have Jawan james to play offensive tackle um they still need a quarterback right so uh, are you still drafting a quarterback if you're john elway i I suspect he's a little better luck um finding offensive linemen than quarterbacks joe flacco is a short-term solution we you know we say that every time we talk about him um yeah i i don't know this is great in, in the sense that you have a right tackle now, but Joe Flacco is still terrible, and there's still no long-term solution behind him. So, you know, they're, they're back to – they're not at square one. They're at square one and a half. They have one foot on square one and one trying to step on square two, and there's a chance they fall off the whole board altogether, I feel like. Um, yeah, by the way, Matt Paradis, who revealed a very interesting fact on Good Morning Football. I don't know if you saw my tweet or, or watched that this morning. He once sponsored one of his friends – in a porcupine race in Boise, because this is a thing that they do in Boise. Naturally, he was in New York City for Good Morning Football, and he's asked. He's, like, telling the story, and you can see it, like, Kay Adams is like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Uh, Peter Schrager looked a little bit unnerved as well. Um, I, I, I don't know where is, where's Nate Burleson from. He didn't seem as unnerved. Um, he went to Nevada, so I don't know if he's from out west or not. Uh, at any rate, I was, I was thinking, I was like, man. He's from Calgary. Yeah, there you go. They were like, huh. Canada's got Wait, he's Canadian? Didn't know that. Learn something every day. Fun fact. All right, go ahead, Brunson. Nate (laughs) Berleson? He went to high school in Seattle, though. Uh, There you go. Sean, are you surprised by porcupine races? 
disappointed that I have yet to witness one. Well, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this guy, if he goes to New York City, you can't go from Porcupine Races to Denver to New York City and sign with the Jets. Lo and behold, he's coming right to North Carolina. And uh, two things, two takeaways from this. One, I think that signing Matt Paradis on a, I believe, three-year, $27 million deal. We've got, we got a bunch of voidables on the back end, which is like a Marty Herney special. Uh, I think that is a uh, good job by the Panthers to get a very good player at a position of need. Uh, Ryan Khalil is retiring. Matt Paradis can slide right in. But I think it takes him out of the running for Garrett Bradbury. Can remove that from mock drafts. Garrett Bradbury's been a, a fun guy to pencil in at 16, but he is, a, you know, he wants, only wants to play center. That's not going to work out. And then two, I think this is actually a positive development for Cam Newton's health because I don't think they would go out and spend a big contract on a center if they believe that Cam Newton was at risk of sitting out for next year. Do you think that works? Yeah. Now you can, tar- you can target other needs. Uh, Mario Addison's 31. I think he has one year left on his deal. Um, pass, pass rush is a big problem for them. Yeah, who retired from my UNC guy? Peppers, 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 Peppers retired. Hall of Famer. So, um, like Cleveland Farrell makes sense. The guy to Clemson, he could be there yeah. midway through the first round. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a it's a great. I think people in Denver were upset that Paris got away. Uh, and Thomas Davis to the Los Angeles Chargers was an interesting note as well. I'm surprised he's still playing. Thought he was going to retire. He said before the season, the last two seasons, he was going to retire. Uh, but the, look, the, the Chargers need linebacker help, so that's a good fit. Breach, what are your thoughts on CJ Mosley? CJ Mosley. I don't know why I'm doing that. Signing a, uh, five year, $85 million deal with the Jets. We talked about them spending money on Anthony Barr before, uh, they, they, they signed Barr, then they went out and signed Mosley. It looked like they were reworking their linebacking core. Barr leaves, but they got $85 million, $17 million a year committed to a middle linebacker. I mean, I love this move for the Jets more than I would have the Anthony Barr move or more than I would have loved both of them together. Uh, I think Mosley's a way better fit, although I don't think he should have even been available because the Ravens are dumb for not re-signing him. Uh, but I won't go back down that road. Uh, but as Sean was mentioning earlier with Barr is that he's not a great fit for the defense. The Jets really were spending – how much guaranteed money did they give Mosley? I believe it is – I didn't write this to who wrote the story, Ryan. Do you write the story? I wrote no, it. Oh my god! I wrote my god! I wrote the story this it's morning. Like Fifty, though, I think. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you in a second. It's god, it's been a long day. But it's a lot of money. It's a 50, lot of money. Fifty-one million guaranteed for a middle linebacker. He's a he's a four-time Pro Bowler. If he plays he's sixteen young. games, he'll get. Yeah, he's young. He's a stud, uh, but he's a middle linebacker. Uh, uh, he's a three-down guy, but it, man, that's a lot. I mean, it blows Luke Keekley's contract out of the water. Luke Keekley, it blows Quan Quan Alexander's contract out of the water. And that's the thing about free agency. Luke Keekley is, you know, absolutely the better linebacker of everybody we just named. But you have to give Mosley more money because he's on the market and you got to pay him what he's worth right now. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's good for the Jets defense, but I do think that they overpaid. But I feel like I'm saying that about every single person that gets signed. I sound like a broken record. So I'm going to stop saying people are just overpaid. And I'm going to say that I give this a B plus. Are we still grading things? I'm going to grade this a B plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can grade. I was sort of hoping Sean would take the lead on that when I gave him the first free agent, but he just kept moving on. Um, it's okay, Sean. You, you, Sean's not good wait, at getting wait, singles. That's why his last four this, dates this is, ended. I'm not the host of this. What do you mean? You asked me to grade the trade, and I gave you an A and an F. No, I you asked, never asked. 
I asked I asked you about the I asked you about a free agent. I threw it to you on a free agent, and hoping you would just remember that we were grading, and you didn't grade. Was, and then I, then I didn't want to put pressure on you to go back and grade it again after Ryan. <laughs> this is a failure of the host. Ah, maybe so. If you ask maybe for so. a grade, we'll give you a grade. Maybe so. Um, okay, another free agent that signed. Give me a grade on. Uh, I don't even know who the free agent I asked you about. Um, Teddy Mos- Bridge. I think Mosley's an F, by the way. Wow, Whoa. really? Uh oh. I gave a B, Ryan. It's a slap in the face. Well, he can't. He can't play in coverage. Uh, I love Avery Williamson, who they signed last year. Um, I think the thing to keep in mind, though, is that the the salary cap keeps going up, and I think we sometimes forget that. So, it's all a percentage of, of what we're looking at. And I understand the Jets trying to get better, but I just don't. I think that the Ravens are okay letting him go. Um, by the way, do you, does anybody want to apologize to our our boss Eric K for? Um... He, he got in, he got up on us early, first thing in the morning. I don't think he tagged Sean on the Slack thing because it was, it was so early. He was Eastern time. Didn't want to blow you up. He said, what's the deal with Landon Collins? Why are you ripping Landon Collins? It's a great contract. It's only three years and he's dropping all these like, uh, spot track numbers and over the cap numbers on us. Yeah. I mean, just for anybody who doesn't and, know. And mind you, he's the biggest Redskins fan in the entire yeah. world. So right. this guy is defending. The deal that the Redskins made. Well, this is like spin zone time for Redskins fans. We're like, ah, it's great. We got a safety. We'll be fine this year. Everything's good. I, I it, it is worth pointing out, though, to anyone who listens to the podcast, that all these deals are announced as five-year deals or six-year deals, and you hear you know, $84 million. I mean, Landon Collins' deal probably is a three-year, $45 million contract. Now, he's young enough where the Redskins could keep him for the whole deal if the safety market keeps going up and the salary cap goes up. And all of that, but yes, I mean, inherently it could be a three-year, $45 million deal that they can get out of. It's still a lot of money for a safety. Yeah, I, but what EK was doing is like at the end of the month when you gain 15 pounds and you're like, oh, well, I went to two birthday parties. I was at a bar crawl where I got blackout drunk to try to justify why something is maybe not right. And sorry, EK, but wow. I, I don't love the deal. Breaking. Breach calls his boss fat. Awkward. Um, what do you think about Teddy Bridgewater going back to the Saints in all likelihood, Ryan? Uh, smart move. Who did, would, you, would you give it a grade it for both the Saints and Teddy Bridgewater? Um, a for the Saints because they have uh, insurance behind Drew Brees, who's now 40 years old. He has one year left on his deal. They can void the 2020 part of it and move on if they, they so decide. And Bridgewater's in a system that he knows that they're playmakers, and, and he can certainly excel in that system, not to the extent that probably Drew Brees, but he can be very good in it, certainly better than Taysom Hill in terms of passing the ball. I give that a B plus. I think the real losers are the Dolphins, who are reportedly interested in trying to get Teddy B. They're not going to stay with Ryan Tannehill. I don't know what plan B or C is. Oh, because yeah. Who are they, who, who are they going to use? Who do they have a quarterback? There's talk they may not draft a quarterback at 13, and even if you do, who are you getting? You're getting Drew Brees. Uh, just Drew Brees. You're getting um, Drew Locke or, or Ryan um, or Daniel Jones. We've already made fun of Daniel Jones for going 17 to the Giants. Should that happen? So I don't know what their plan is. Brian Flores knows that in in that division you can't have a quarterback unless he wants to make sure he's worse than the Bengals somehow. But he ain't taking that job to tank in in year one. I don't. I think I think I think they are. I think they are. I think this is. Why a... would someone so competitive take that job and win two football games? Cause... They are assured that they have like three years to build, you know, a foundation, and they say we're going to move on from Tannehill. We're just going to be bad. We're not going to win as long as Tom Brady's there, anyways. Let's position ourselves. But taking that for job two there. years from now. This isn't like you know a, a checkers league. These guys are ultra competitive, <laughs> and Brian Flores just came from a team. 
that won the Super Bowl and Bill Belichick. Pre, I mean, Bill Belichick is not going to tank a season to get a quarterback in a year. I, I imagine Brian Flores is the same way. One would hope not. Uh, Breach, I mean, not Breach, sorry. Sean, I want you to give me a grade on Breach telling us that he wasn't going to write a story about shirtless Bill Belichick. And then <laughs> at 4.10 p.m., seeing an email come across that says, shirtless Bill Belichick pulls ultimate vacation power move just before start of 2019 free agency. I'm giving Breach an A. I mean, that's just – the story was out there. Other people were online working before him, so – I think it's. I think it was fair game for anyone to grab. And Sean, don't forget to point out that Breach is literally topless while we're, we're doing. It. <laughs> That's probably why he's not he's, wearing a shirt. Breach ate a bunch of mushrooms. He wrote about Belichick and had been wearing a shirt ever since. Uh, Can I works uh, for Belichick? About, it works for me, guys. Sure. Can I add this about Bridgewater real quick? I think it would have been. It's probably really tempting for him to have gone to a place like Miami and started. But they're going to be so bad that I think this is a good move for him because imagine if he goes uh, to Miami, is terrible behind a terrible offensive line on a bad team, then suddenly people are writing him off as a starting caliber quarterback and saying, wow, he's just a backup. So I think it's better for him to be patient um, with the hopes of maybe you take over for Breeze with Sean Payton in a couple years. Yeah, apparently he took less money too, so I think that Sean's exactly right. There's something to be said for not jumping at, at the money. I mean, easy for me to say when you have a chance to play with a really good football team. Right. I no. I look. I think I'm surprised more quarterbacks in this sort of like position. Where I don't. I don't know how many there are, but weren't sort of jockeying for a spot to be Sean Payton's next guy. Because like Sean Payton's, when Drew Brees is going to retire. Sean Payton's sticking around. He's still fairly young. And if you're running Sean Payton's system in New Orleans, you're going to be in a good spot as a quarterback. And so I think it's a good move by Teddy Bridgewater. One uh, one interesting thing that I think we're We'll probably fly under the radar, but it's been a nice move. Pete Prisco actually pointed out, and then I made a joke about the guy's name, Bill. Um, but the Bills have done a decent job. Breach, what's your grade for uh, the Bills signing Cole Beasley as well as John Brown and then picking up some other offensive linemen? I'm going to give this grade a B, and I'm going to, but I'm also throwing in the fact that the Antonio Brown trade blew up because if they land Antonio Brown, I hate it, but instead they took the money that they were going to give Antonio Brown, and they got two receivers out of it, and they got Cole Beasley, and they got John Brown. And the thing is, I think John Brown might be good with a quarterback who can actually throw the ball. I think I mentioned a day or two ago that, look, when Joe Flacco was on the field last year, he was amazing. He averaged about 80 yards per game during the first seven weeks of the season. The last seven weeks of the season with Lamar Lamar Jackson in their run-all-the-time-go-card offense where they don't throw the ball – John Brown averaged 16.3 yards per game. That's a huge drop. So when he actually has a quarterback out there throwing the ball, he, he's producing. Cole Beasley, I mean, last year was his, arguably his second biggest year in Dallas. So I like both those signings. I don't know so much about Tyler Croft. I do like that they added a center because their offensive line was horrendous, uh, Mitch Morse. Uh, yeah. So that was big. And then, you know, two other offensive linemen that might be able to go in there and start. I would say the Bills – have probably had one of the best free agencies of any team so far. Not uh, Teams have actually signed someone because it's hard to grade teams like the Patriots or, or teams that generally sit out free agency. But if teams have actually signed someone, I would put the Bills in the top three so far. By, By the way, way um, quickly, I just want to point out, in addition to Antonio Brown saying no thanks, apparently Odell Beckham, the Bills inquired about uh, that. Too. Did they really? Um, are you, are you joking? Or you like? Did you see a report? No, yeah, no. I saw. I, I saw reports. Oh. I can't remember. It was one of the. I saw, I saw someone say that 
um, the bills were reached out to and they just didn't respond. So okay. <laughs> um, that seems weird. We are not the, letting you embarrass us on social media again. We are <laughs> not, not falling for it. this one again, yeah. guys. Somebody, Wait, um, and, and on that on that note, let me throw this in real quick. So somebody tweeted to Cole Beasley. Oh, hey, what I was to say before. Uh, oh, what? Okay, it's all you. Go for it. Go it's for it. Okay. No, go for it. So, I just so exit out in frustration. It's all on the same note. So someone tweeted Cole Beasley. Hey, man, the Bills suck. They're not going to win. And Beasley tweeted back, I played for the Cowboys for seven years. We didn't win there either. I'll be fine in Buffalo. That's a good point. Seems like, shot at the Cowboys is seems like things, the seems like things got a <laughs> little, yeah, we're not going to win. Seems like things got a little contentious between Beasley and the Cowboys, right? Like it didn't, um, he had that comment about how the front office dictates like who gets the balls and everybody believes it. I mean, right. We don't, we think that is true for sure. I mean, Jim, you think we all agree yeah, Jerry yeah. Jones is calling Jason Garrett be like, what? You ain't throwing the ball to Mark Cooper that same hour time. What are you doing? I don't even know what that accent was. That was like crazy. Those are worse Jerry Jones. Than yeah. That was, that was Dale from uh, King of the Hill. Yeah, that was bad Jerry Jones. Sorry. Uh, I wasn't feeling Jerry Jones. I couldn't feel the spirit uh, popping up. Uh, I have a few whiskeys. It'll get to you. Yeah, I know. I got a lot of Johnny Walker Blue up in here. What? Oh, Corderell Patterson, Breach. Give me a great old Corderell Patterson. Two-year deal leaving the Bears to go to the Patriots. Or leaving the Patriots to go to the Bears. No. Sorry. I don't want like backhand Sean in the face, so I'm not going to knock this signing. I'm going to give it a beat because here's the thing is that Matt Nagy's smart. He knows what to do with somebody who has who's versatile like Cordero Patterson. He saw what Belichick and the Patriots did with him last year. And the other thing is – the Chicago Bears had the worst kickoff return average in the NFL last season. I'm sure, Sean, you probably didn't even have to watch kickoff returns because they went like 12 yards and they were over in 1.1 seconds. Cordell Patterson averaged over 28 yards per return, was the third best return in the NFL. So I think we'll see him returning a lot of kicks there. And then obviously could have him lining up in the backfield. You have Tariq Cohen, uh, 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 the receiver version of him. So I think I actually like this move a lot, and they didn't pay; they didn't overpay for him either. Ryan, how do you feel? This is the last one. How do you feel about Bradley Roby rejecting a three-year deal from the Steelers to uh, slap in the face? Yeah, that was a backhand slap in the face to go yep. sign with the Houston Texans on one-year ten million. Yeah, going with the Texans. Texans cut Kelvin uh, Kevin Johnson, their former first-round pick, who has since signed with the Bills. But here's the thing: I, I like Bradley Roby coming out of college five years ago. Uh, clearly, he was drafted by the Buccaneer, uh, the excuse me, the Broncos. But he didn't do well when he started for Denver. He was like a, a slot guy for the first few years, and then last year wasn't great. That said, the Steelers' secondary is doo doo, so they needed something, and they actually sort of fell backwards into someone who's better, Steve Nelson, out of the Chiefs, who ranked 33rd last year among all cornerbacks according to um, football, uh, Pro Football Focus, better than Joe Hayden, and certainly miles better than Artie Burns, who wasn't even ranked. He was so terrible. So that actually is an upgrade. I think they end up paying him just south of $10 million a year on a three-year deal. So you can live with that. Um, this cornerback class isn't particularly deep after the, the first round. Um, I would have been fine getting Bradley Roby, but his price was a little north of what they paid Steve Nelson. Again, I mean, compared to what Antonio Brown did to them, that was nothing. But uh, you would like to see them do something in free agency other than, than re-sign uh, Anthony Chicolo. Okay. Uh, anything, any moves that we missed? 
Got to get out of here. We're over an uh, hour. Oh, yeah. Go well, ahead. it looks like Wilson has a story on a couple guys the Packers added. And Packers oh, fans, my God. Yeah, we've completely, completely She says, are irate if we forget about them, Brinson. So I'll, I'm bringing them up. I, I did. I did. So I'll let him win. I did mention it earlier. But, yeah, thoughts on um, it's Darius Smith, Preston Smith, and Adrian Amos. Adrian Amos. Ooh, I like that Adrian Amos signing. Steal from a rival. What are your thoughts on that, Sean, Ryan? At the same and time. Billy Turner, they signed another offensive lineman, which they needed help at, uh, help at too. What do you think Ted Thompson's reaction is? Like, Just like freaking they out. They literally filled every need. So I don't know what they're doing with their two first round draft picks now. Like, I don't know. What do you think? for Odell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know. <laughs> you could, they need a wide receiver, I, I guess, but I mean. Oh, Goody, you know, Goody's calling. Hey, Dorsey, or like, hey, Dave, you still trying to trade Odell? I got to, it's like, have you, you don't read the news, do you, Goody? I got bad news for you. He's gone. Um, anyway, that's it. But I, I mean, they have two first round picks. So what, what are you doing with the two first round picks when you've literally filled every need that you had going into to the offseason? I have an idea. Draft the best player available. Get a tight end. Yeah. Draft. A tight end's, a tight end's an option. I mean, at 12, you may have to stretch for one because the one of the, the top one may be gone. What if you trade, uh, bundle those picks, trade up and take Kyler Murray? What? Aaron Rodgers is thirty-five. It's too. It's too. It's too soon. You too should. Soon. You should mock that. People Are you like, drinking alcohol, Wilson? Yeah, Wilson brings up that idea right before he takes a giant sip of wine. You now can we see know. he never drinks, and now he's drinking wine here. That's that and now he's that talking about. Yeah, yeah. Who needs Kyler Murray? <laughs> the Packers. I'm celebrating the Anthony Chickalow signing <laughs> with a whole bottle, with an entire bottle of red wine. Interesting. Yeah, no. Wide receiver makes some sense. Tight end makes some sense, but um, you know, just trying to think outside the box here. All right. Well, we got to go. We got to get to Le'Veon Bell's party. Got to check out his rap release. John, you're staying up for it, aren't you? That's his, this is your wheelhouse. I'll be up all night. I love rap parties. Especially release parties. I think the reason he's dressed like that is because he's actually going to the party. Whoa. Okay. Right. The time this podcast right. to end. This podcast. Oh, no. And Sean's offended that John just showed us his chest, <laughs> even though Sean shows up these podcasts in shirt. Steamboat. He has a, a, a tank top that just says Steamboat on it. It's real weird. He got it in the middle of the podcast last year. Anyway, thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll be back tomorrow for another free agent podcast to celebrate. Oh, by the way, happy new league year. Talk to you guys on Thursday. <laughs>